This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hallelujah. Well, great to see all of you this evening. Glad you can be with us here tonight. We also want to greet all of you that are watching on Facebook or uh, YouTube channel. I'm glad you can be here online and uh, be a part of the service here tonight. Praise God. Y'all bring your notebooks and your Bibles. We're going to have a good Bible study with you here this evening. You probably get blessed and won't know what to do with yourself. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy, happy, happy. Glory to God. Happy are those that are in the Lord. Amen. At least they should be. If they're not, they're missing out on something, you know. So thank God for His living Word, because He can teach us things, praise God, that we would never otherwise know. Hallelujah. So, if you brought a Bible, let me invite you to open it with me to 1 John chapter 5. That's where we're going to land, at least to start with. Well, I should say it this way. This is where I think we're going to go. You know, I got preempted uh, last Sunday morning uh, in a lot of different ways. I went home and I looked, my note, looked at my notes and said, man, this is a really good message, Lord. But we didn't use it. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I'll get a chance to do that because, uh, you know, praise God. Uh, the, the important thing, I guess, is, you know, the Bible says that we're to always be ready. Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, you're always to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Praise God. Now, you may not know a whole lot, but you don't need to know too much. If you just know Jesus is Lord, you're in good shape. Huh? If you know him, I'm telling you what, you're, 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 uh, you're a winner. Let's put it that way. And I think sometimes, you know, I mean, I know it's the devil and the God of this world. Sometimes it tries to make us think we don't know too much and we can't speak and this and that and the other. And really nothing can be uh, further from the truth. You can always tell someone what you know. You know, remember that blind, uh, that boy that got healed and Jesus had healed him and, and uh, the uh, religious rulers at the time, I mean, they were enraged, they were incensed against him because of his being healed. And uh, they'd already told everyone, the word was out, you know, if you, if you uh, endorse, if you uh, embrace this Jesus character, we're throwing you out of church. You know what? Sometimes those kinds of churches, those are the best ones you can get thrown out of. Yeah, amen. And sure enough, you know, they, they lambasted him. Well, then they brought his parents in, you know, and uh, they asked them, is this your boy? Well, it's definitely our boy. You know, he says, well, what about him? He says, well, uh, we don't know. All we know is he was, he was uh, blind, now he sees, you know. And tell me how it happened, you know, and they went through this whole thing again, you know, and this and that and the other. But, you know, the thing was, is when they really pinned the parents down about it, because they would socially be disenfranchised and, and uh, you know, extricated from uh, any involvement within the church and that, uh, they wouldn't answer. They just didn't have the courage, if you want to call it that, hair, <laughs> you know, they just, they couldn't. They said, he is of age, ask him. And so, you know, again, here, here's a, uh, a young man or whatever. He don't know nothing. I mean, he don't even know who this guy is. He says, all I know is somebody showed up, man, and this is what happened. And here's my point to all of that. He just told him what he knew. He said, all I know is I was blind and now I see. You know? 
And, you know, they, they cast him out of the church and this and that. Well, Jesus found him a little bit later and uh, ministered to him. And he said, who, who, is, who is the Son of God that I may know him? And he says, he's standing right in front of you. And he says, I believe. Praise God. So, you know, sometimes when you get persecuted, it can be a good thing. Oh, thanks for your excitement on that. Yeah. Well, my wife and I got saved. I mean, we were, let's see, I was 19. She was 18. And uh, when we gave our hearts to Jesus, man, we were all in. Full throttle, baby. I mean, we, we you know, chucked everything of our old world and life and this and that and the other. And we became, uh, I guess you would call it fanatical. I, did, I didn't really, I guess, I don't know how. Yeah, that's, yeah, probably. But, you know, it cost us something. I mean, it did and it didn't. You know, the devil lies to people. He says, well, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you know, you'll lose all your friends and, and uh, they'll, they'll excommunicate you. And, they'll, and that's true. That all happened, you know. But I tell you what, we weren't alone. And, you know, as Jesus was making this sweep uh, within our generation and people were coming into the kingdom of God, I mean, I mean young and old, I mean middle-aged, you name it, people were getting saved. It was an awesome, awesome time. And we, God gave us so many precious real friends, you know, I mean real friends, that, you know, um, on this side of it, it, it really wasn't a choice. Even though at the time, when you're walking through that, you know, you still got to walk it out, you still got to live it out, and, it, and, it, and, uh, and uh, the pressure, if you want to call it that, or the temptation, what, however you would define it, it's real. But God always tells you the truth. And he just said, follow me. And so that's what we did. And here we are 40 some years later, you know, uh, serving him and having a grand, I mean, a high heel time. My wife and I are having a high heel time. And uh, now you say, what in the world is that? I've never heard any of that before. Well, that's like I was talking to somebody. I picked up a tool. I says, what is this anyway? It looks like a handle to a duck's nest. Have any of you ever heard that before? Nobody? Okay, well, all right. Yeah. My dad used to say that all the time. You know, somebody said, well, what, kind of, what is that tool right there? Well, that's a handle to a duck's nest. I don't know. Yeah, there you go, Jerry. Yeah, you're free to, you know, whatever. But the, I guess uh, when, I t when I say high hill time, I mean, we are just having the best of time. And um, uh, we love Jesus. And uh, it's such a wonderful thing. I mean, sometimes, you know, we just... We have to pause and just say, we are so very blessed. Now, that doesn't mean it hasn't been without its challenges, you know. I mean, I guess that's, that's with all of us. But I tell you what, praise God, he'll always see you through the midst of the storm, amen, to the other side. And he'll take you where, praise God, he intended for you to go as long as you keep following him. Hallelujah. You know, so always say to yourself, though none go with me, still I will follow. Glory to God. And you'll be blessed. The devil's such a liar. Everybody say it. The devil's a liar. Pants on fire. Yeah, amen. Praise God. His pants are more than his pants are going to be on fire here pretty quick. You know, his days are numbered and he knows it. That's why you see all this ratcheting up of the turmoil and the chaos within this world. He's trying to take as many people to hell as he can before King Jesus shows up. Hallelujah. And I tell you, Jesus is going to take care of all rule and all authority on this earth. Amen. You know, men have their ideas about things, but I tell you what, God gets the last word. Glory to God. And you say, what's this got to do with your message? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
you know, sometimes, you know, when you're flying an airplane, you know, uh, you got to circle the, the landing field first, make sure there aren't deer on the runway and everything. That's all we're doing. We're just circling. We'll, we'll get there someplace. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. One time I forgot to turn the lights on. We were flying at night and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, we were coming in for a landing, you know, well, the land, you know, uh, at the airport, I mean, all these lights are on. You can, you can turn the lights on to low, medium, or high, and I think we had them on high. I don't remember what it was, but I forgot to turn the, turn the uh, lights on, on the aircraft so that when the ground started getting close, you could see it. So thank God for a nice flare. Hey, hey, hey. You know, any any landing you walk away from is a good one. Praise the Lord, you know. It's all cool, you know. So anyway, just one little thing I forgot on my checklist. That's all, you know. It's, it's okay. I don't know why I tell, my, tell on myself like this. but Let's pray together and we'll get into some, uh, some of this this evening. Father, we just love you. We're grateful for your blessing in our lives. And as we break the bread of life, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, Father God, I thank you that your word is truth. Hallelujah. With, with a world in which we live filled with so many lies, I'm so grateful, Father God, that you've given us your word, that it serves as an anchor to our soul. We know that it is truth, that it is true, and that, Father God, we can look to you and know the real answer about life and what it is that you've called us to. And Father, I thank you for your destiny upon every person here tonight. I thank you that you have a plan for them, Father, and it's a great one. And so we're just grateful for your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. First John chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Isn't that a good verse of Scripture? Praise God. You know, during our midweek services, we've been talking about the subject of prayer and our prayer life. And, and so tonight I want to talk to you about praying with confidence. It's a very important aspect of our prayer lives. You know, I mean, you know, in the beginning, God will put up with quite a bit of unbelief. But after a while, he has an expectation that you trust him, that you believe what it is that he said. And so prior to Jesus's coming, you know, people viewed God from a pretty hard and a pretty harsh perspective just due to the fact that they grew up and uh, uh, living under the law. You know, the Ten Commandments, and thou shalt not. And so they kind of viewed God as not kind of. They viewed him as a very uh, perhaps harsh, austere kind of, of judge. You get out of line, man, you're going to get smacked. You know, that type of thing. And God is just, and he is righteous. Uh, you, you're with me. But when Jesus came, everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, when he came, he fulfilled all of the righteous demands of the law. And in so doing, praise God, he made grace available to the rest of us. And for that, and for which we can all be very, very thankful, praise God. But when Jesus came within his earthly ministry, we knew that he, we know that he was about 30 years old. And uh, the ministry that he had here on this planet was about three, three and a half years. But when he came, 
and he began to minister and to preach, he started to introduce um, to the people uh, a God who was a father. And this is a concept for many of them, which they knew nothing about. And so it was very, very new to them in that regard. But thank God, you know, if you've been born again, then he is your father. And if he is your father, now, again, you know, sometimes in describing this, some people uh, in their growing up, uh, in their relationship with their fathers, um, they have not had a good experience. And um, it is to be regretted, and I'm very sorry for that. But, you know, um, when it comes to the description of our Heavenly Father, He's good in every way and, and could be no better. And so uh, for those of you that have had the privilege of growing up with a, at least let's call it a decent father or, you know, good father, or however you want to describe it, then God bless you. Because Jesus used that illustration. He said, if you being a father uh, and yet be natural or evil or sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? Yeah, will your father give good things to those that ask him? Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to say, I guess, is, is that when it comes to our relationship with him, if we're born of his spirit or born of God, then the thing that we need to come to understand is that he is or will take a father's place and he will help us, he will teach us, he will show us, he will bless us, he will guide us, he will give us whatever it is that we need. That's what fathers do. Hallelujah. I got three kids and they have no problem taking whatever I receive or whatever I give to them. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And so uh, uh, he is our father. And, and so, you know, one of the aspects of being able to pray with confidence is knowing or being acquainted with your heavenly Father. Hallelujah. To get to know Him. You say, well, how do I do that? You do it through the Bible. You do it in the Word of God. The way we become acquainted with God is through His Word. He is everything that the Word says He is. Hallelujah. So we can behold wonderful things from His Holy Word to learn about him as our heavenly father. Glory to God. I'd use this illustration. Maybe this would be helpful to you, but let's just say that there's someone that you've known for a very long time. As a matter of fact, I mean, you've spent a lot of time with him, and you know, you could say as a figure of speech, you know him like the back of your hand. But let's just say that you also have another acquaintance or a friend of yours, and you introduce that person to this one that you've known for many, many years and know him so well. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that he's not, uh, this individual that you're introducing uh, to this person is, is going to be much more, I wouldn't say guarded, but they know nothing of this person. They don't know anything about them like you do. Are you with me? And so naturally speaking, you know, you're just going to be a hesitant if that, I don't know if that's the right word, maybe cautious. I don't, you know, I mean, just there'll they'll be something there. I remember when Joan and I went to, uh, well, uh, they were having a uh, night of hope up in Des Moines, and uh, Joel Osteen was going to be speaking, of course. And so we were up there, and we were invited to come and things like that. Well, pre-service, 
yeah, prior to the service, they invited us back to the back room where Joel and, and his wife and I think even Dodie was back there and different things like that. Well, I'd never met Joel Osteen. Here he is, a pretty nationally known figure, you know, pastors of church over 50,000 people. I mean, you know, it's got a little bit going on, okay? So your first, you know, introduction to that person, you know, is like you don't really know that much about him. But, you know, as you talk to them, you begin to understand that he's just like everybody else. He puts his pants on the same way and his hair is messed up in the morning like yours too. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, in the same way, I think sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, because we really don't know him, then there's that hesitancy, if that's the right word to use. Well, I tell you what, God wants you to get rid of your hesitancy. I mean, he purchased you with his own blood. He gave his son as a ransom for you so that he could have relationship with you. Not only that, praise God, but be able to have your prayers answered and, and uh, different things like that. Now, we, would, we could exhaust the whole evening just looking at some of the things in regard to what Jesus, how Jesus prayed. You know, I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, how did Jesus pray? You know, the disciples asked him to, you know, teach uh, them to pray. But, you know, Jesus, he, paid, he prayed about direction. There were times he'd go off into the, you know, desert or someplace like that, and he'd come back with, you know, the instructions that he needed for that day, and he'd preach and do whatever it is that he needed to do. He prayed about his calling. He prayed about, you know, his purpose. He, taught, he prayed about his daily work. You know, a lot of times he'd rise up long before everybody else, and then, you know, when everybody else got out of bed and got to going, he was, he was ready to rock. He knew what it is that he was supposed to be doing for that, his daily work. He prayed for his employees. You know, these disciples were a bunch of knotheads when he first got them. You know, the Bible tells us that he prayed all night to pick 12 of them. And I got to believe that maybe, you know, it's like he got through 11 and knew who they were. And he's down to Judas Iscariot and he's just thinking to himself, God, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think uh, you sure you got the right guy here. But he did because of the divine purpose that, that God had in the, in the grand scheme of things. But he prayed all night for those 12 men to be chosen that they might be with him. And, and so he prayed for them, I guess you could say. And he got instruction from heaven about who it was that was to be with him in that regard. So he, played for, he prayed for uh, Peter. You know, they got into a strife about which one of them was supposed to be the greatest. I know Peter started that fight. And the reason I know it, it's, it doesn't tell us in the Bible, but I know he's the one. Because when he got done teaching them about a child, and if you don't become like him in the kingdom of heaven, you ain't going to make it, you know, kind of deal. When it was all over with, he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail so that when you're converted, comfort the people. So in other words, you know, the arrogance and the pride in Peter's life had the potential of eating his lunch. Are you listening to me? It's, and it's true of everyone. You know, if you want to be uh, the know-it-all and the arrogant and the one, you know, you think you got everything going on and this and that and the other, dude, you, you disqualify yourself. You know, the Bible teaches over and over and over about the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may be exalted in due time. Guess who does the humbling? God doesn't do the humbling. You do the humbling. Now, you can get humbled all right, <laughs> but there's a better way. If you were the one to choose that I'm going to humble myself, it might be a whole lot less painful. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You still glad you came tonight or not? I can't tell. Hallelujah. And so, but he prayed for him. 
And uh, so he was in the habit of praying for his disciples. So what does that mean? Well, that means, praise God, we can pray for our loved ones. We can pray for our family members. We can pray for our kids. We can pray for lots of different things. They need our prayers, you know. They're trying to do life. They're trying to figure out, you know, the directions that they're supposed to be going. And you can certainly have an impact on that. Uh, I mentioned this before, but, you know, the disciples, there was an occasion where they had been praying. And, um, uh, well, as a matter of fact, um, hold your finger here. We'll probably come back. But, but look with me, if you would, here in Luke. Uh, Got to find it here because I'm kind of going off a different trail here. Uh, Luke chapter, Luke uh, chapter 11, Luke the 11th chapter. And let's just, uh, we'll just kind of camp here for a little bit. This is all good too. In verse 1 it says that it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, that when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And he said, as John also taught his disciples. And what I'd like to suggest to you is the interesting thing about this is the, is the scenario. I mean, the, 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 the circumstance. It says that as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, one of his disciples asked him to teach them to pray. So I'd like to suggest to you though it's not written or it's not necessarily said, but there was something in the prayer life of Jesus that got these disciples' attention. In other words, it's kind of like, wow, I've never heard anybody pray to the Father like that. So can you teach us to pray like that? So let's go on to read and notice what it says. He said to them, well, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As in heaven, so on earth, give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone that's indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he went on and he made, started making some, uh, uh, some explanation to that. Now, how many of you have ever heard the Lord's Prayer? How many of you can pray the Lord's Prayer? Probably all of us, because we've learned it by rote for the most part. I mean, unless you're just irreligious and you haven't grown up in the church, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a clue, okay? But what's interesting about that, you know, a lot of times you'll go in a service and the minister or someone will say, you know, and as Jesus taught us to pray, and then there'll be a, a recital of, the, of this, this prayer. And, and so I don't know that Jesus necessarily intended that it was to be that way, because if you look at this story in Matthew's gospel, he said, don't use vain repetition as the heathen do, thinking that they'll be heard for their much speaking. So uh, my point to that is, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not throwing rocks at the Lord's Prayer. I don't care about that. But I think that what Jesus was really trying to teach the church here was prayer principles, by which to pray by and from. What do I mean by that? Well, if you kind of unpack the prayer, you discover that these principles, first of all, was the first of, of all, it was worship. You know, to worship God, our Father which art in heaven. Hallelujah. The principle of worship. Secondly, the submission to His will. Okay? You know, and again, I, I don't have time to go through all of this, but he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. So that is a submission to the will of the king, is it not? Okay. And then number three, he talks about the necessities of life. Give us this day our daily bread, the things that we need. 
He goes on then to say, in, uh, as number four, he talks about forgiveness. You know, forgive others as God forgives you. Hallelujah. And then finally, he talks about complete deliverance from evil. And I like that. Hallelujah. The devil has no place in us. Amen. So you see these five principles that are being uh, uh, called out here. But, but notice when it says, our Father. You know, when you say, my Father, it is a title of honor and respect, is it not? And so in the context of that, it represents someone that is being respected or revered. If you don't revere God, you can forget about praying with confidence or having an answer prayer uh, to your prayers or whatever the case might be. Are you with me? He is Almighty God, and we should never, ever forget that. So, you know, uh, when, he, when he uses this uh, to teach the disciples, I think what he's really trying to say to us is simply, you know, when you pray, address him as your father. You know, aren't you glad you can do that? You know, as a believer. And, and, and why is that? Because he's, the, he's there for us. You know, he's there for you. You know, in those troubling times, and those difficult times, and those really hard times, I'm telling you, God is with you. The Bible says, is anyone among you afflicted? In other words, are you being tested or tried? Let him pray. So it's, it's a place of refuge, you know, in, in the context of that, if we understand that. He says, hallowed be your name. In other words, I worship you, again, talking about, you know, revering, declaring you're the king because he is. The sooner you get that figured out, the better off you're going to be. Your kingdom come. In other words, the rule of your kingdom, may it have its dominance in this world. I love it. Praise God. Because I can tell you this much about it. God's will is, is that his kingdom would be on this earth just like it is in heaven. And he has given you and I, praise God, the authority to be able to exercise that dominion in the earth so that his will can be done. Glory to God. Peter and John said, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So, and then he talks about giving us what it is that we need for this day, forgiving us as we forgive others. And then lead me. Everybody say lead me. Yeah, lead me. What do I mean by that? Away from the thoughts, the ideas, the concepts, uh, and thinking of this world. Hallelujah. Paul told us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So lead me not into the temptations of this world, the thoughts, ideas, and concepts, the thinking of the world that tempt me to think like them with the idea that I don't need God. You know, there are a lot of people in the world today, they don't think they need God. Well, I got news for you. <laughs> they need him really bad, more than they know. So anyway, this kind of, you know, tells us a little bit about how Jesus taught, you know, his disciples to pray. And we, again, you know, the, the, the point that I started out with in the beginning was is if you're going to pray with confidence, you have to know or be acquainted with your Father and who He is. And the way that happens, again, is through the Word of God. And I'll tell you this, too. A lot of times we've got to unlearn some of the religious ideas and erroneous kind of thinking, you know. Man, when I got saved when I was 19, dude, I didn't know God from Adam. You know, and even though I'd been in the church, I had no, I, I just had a form 
of religion about God. It wasn't until I got into the Word of God and began to discover, you know, who He really was in the, in the context of His character and His nature. Wow. You talk about life-changing, you know, just altered our world uh, unbelievably. So go back to 1 John chapter uh, 5 there again, if you would, please, if you still have it. Notice again, it says this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So the first step towards praying with confidence is asking according to His will. And you say, well, that's a problem, Pastor. I don't know what His will is. Well, thank God for the book. Amen. The B-I-B-L-E. Get in the book. Let the book get in you. See, here's the thing, you know, because of men's spiritual, what I'd call ineptness or, or deficiency, unanswered prayer has been explained away by the statement, well, it may not be his will, you know. Well, you know, you'd think that maybe we ought to find out what his will is. Well, you know, you just never know, you know. I mean, that is so uh, wrong. And here's the reason why I say that. Because if you read in the scriptures, uh, when Paul was writing to the people there in Ephesus, he made this statement. He, he said, look very carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. This is, this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, if you want to write it down. Verse 16, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God would never ask you to do something you can't do. So if he wants us to understand what his will is, then there must be somehow the capacity to do it. Amen? And the way that it happens is through the Bible. And thank God for it, because I tell you what, I hear people sometimes make statements. I go, well, they didn't get that out of the Bible. Huh? And they're well-meaning. I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at them. I'm just saying, you know, ignorance is not bliss. The Bible says my people end up being destroyed for what they don't know or their lack of knowledge. And so the sooner you and I can find out what the will of the Lord is from the Scriptures and the Bible, praise God, the better we'll be able to pray with confidence and know, praise God, that our prayers will be answered. So unknowingly, you'll hear people pray with really what I call a faith-destroying prayer or faith-destroying phrase, you know, they get to the end of their prayer and they say, if it be your will. Well, find out about his will before you pray. And then that way you can say, Father, you said in your word. And he'll say, I sure did. And then you can say, you said that you would supply or meet my every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not sure how you're going to do that, but I believe you. I trust you. And I thank you for showing me what it is my part is in that so that my needs can be supplied. Hallelujah. Like I said, he'll take a father's place. He won't leave you as an orphan. He won't say, well, fend for yourself. I hope you get along okay. No, praise God. If we look to him, he'll show us and tell us what it is that we need to do. How many of you believe that? Hallelujah. So we need to discover what his will is. And then secondly, find out what the will of God is and then ask in faith. Or with faith, you could say. You say, what do you mean? Well, when James was writing in chapter 1, verse 5, I believe it is, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and will not 
reproach or find fault. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, the devil tries to use condemnation in people's lives to separate them from their confidence when they pray. But when you read the scripture, believe it. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he'll give it to you generously. He'll give it to you liberally, and he will not find fault at the time of your asking. And yet, the, the, the human reasoning of most men and women, you know, in general, I'm talking about generically, you know, is, is they'll, you know, the devil go, well, he ain't going to answer your prayers. I mean, after all. And he brings up all this junk to bring reproach upon you. Well, what happens, dude? It's just like your balloon gets popped. You know, all of a sudden, confidence goes out the door. Don't listen to the devil. Listen to the Bible. Huh? Who gives to all men liberally. God wants you to be smarter than you do. How, is that right? Yeah, that'll work. You, you get it. Yeah. He wants you to be wise. If you lack wisdom, ask. He'll give it to you. And he won't, he'll do it generously and he won't find fault. But, verse 6, let him or her do what? Ask in faith. Do we have it up there? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering or with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man or woman expect or suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. So what, what does God need from us? He needs us to trust him. He needs our faith. He needs us to believe. And then it goes on to say, a double-minded man in verse 8 is unstable in all of his ways. So that's really where you know, man, you've got to get hunkered down. You've got to drive a stake in the ground where the Word of God is concerned, man. And I mean that, you don't move. You, you, don't, you don't move from what it is that he said. Are you listening to me? You know, and sometimes that's not easy because your circumstances, you know, are dictating or trying to... Uh, tell you something otherwise and all of these different kinds of things but you just got to stay with the word father i know it looks like all hell's breaking loose but i'm so glad praise god that you got this hallelujah and that you're guiding me and you're leading me and when you're so strongly tempted you know you know to go the opposite direction that you know what god's will is in the situation but you know there's all this stuff pulling on you that's when you got to have a stake in the ground and tie yourself to it are you with me Praise God. Let the wind blow. That's right, Mary. You know, because the thing of it is, is if you don't, then you get untethered. And man, God only knows where you'll end up. Are you listening to me? Now, you know, all of us, none of us are perfect. We've always, you know, we've all uh, maybe not done so well. But thank God there's room for improvement in there. Huh? I say there's room for improvement so we can be encouraged in that. So you need to know what his will is, and then you need to ask in faith. Look at the scripture that we just got done reading earlier as our text. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if, he, if we ask anything, everybody say anything. Anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. Huh? You start speaking God's word, God's ears perk up, you know. Now, notice verse 15. It says, and if we know 
that he hears us. Why do we know he hears us? Because we're praying what? According to his will. Are you with me? So if we know that he hears us, then we know. Everybody say, I know. You know what? You know that you have. Everybody say, I have. I have the petitions that I desired of him. Even though at the time when you pray, perhaps nothing has changed. And we all have witnessed that, huh? But what do we do? We go our way rejoicing in the confidence that God has heard us because we prayed according to his will. Huh? And he's at work. But the, the moment that you say, well, you know, I guess he didn't hear me, or I guess, you know, he didn't want me to do that, or maybe that wasn't his will or whatever, you know, all of these different kinds of things, well, then it shuts off God's power to make a difference in your life. Are you with me? Let him ask in faith, nothing waver, because he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man or woman think that they'll receive anything from God. And that's an interesting concept because a lot of times if our prayers don't work, we're looking for somebody or something to blame. Can I get a witness? And really all you got to do is walk in the bathroom and stare in the mirror and you'll have your answer. Thanks for your excitement and your enthusiasm. But it's true. I mean, come on now, you know. Thank God we just got to get our thinking straightened out and our changing and our believing. Because, praise God, he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. So, believing prayer is really the key to an answered prayer. Hallelujah. You know, um, like, for example, we've got a lot of things going on in the world today. How many of you believe, now, now think about this before you answer, how many of you believe that as believers, you and I could stave off the onslaught of hell through prayer, or were we just resigned to failure? You know, there's so many things going on in this world, you guys, that are so corrupt and so wrong. And, and I really believe that it is the church's opportunity to really shine. You know what happened in 2016? Uh, I personally, I believe it was sovereign. I just believe that within the plan and the purpose of God, he said, now nah, I'm going to show all of you what I can do. And so he sticks this guy in there that... I mean, way different, huh? But yet, think about what it is that's gone on to uh, change the direction of the country, okay? Whether you agree with it or not, it's certainly, you know, something. So, so it's my belief that if, in fact, it, now, if you don't believe that, well, then it's another story altogether. But I believe that there is a divine purpose, mandate, thing, if you want to call it that, that is going on so that Jesus can be glorified and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Because this thing, you know, it's, it's so much bigger than politics and which side of the fence you on, you're on if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. It's so much bigger and this whole thing that COVID has been made up, you know, beyond this, there are things that are going on. There are titanic struggles taking place in the realm of the spirit where life and death are, 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 uh, are what's going on. And that's why God needs the church to pray. 
Don't ever for one moment think that your prayers don't matter because it's a lie from hell. Are you listening to me? I'll remind you of these verses that we read last week. The first one's from Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 29. It says that the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. Well, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily describe our goings on right now, but it's close. Huh? You know, we got all this cancel culture stuff. Dude, you talk about trying to oppress people. That there is oppression. And that's why you need to stand up and say, no, I ain't taking this. Because you don't have to. Now notice it goes on to say, So I sought for a man among them who would make up the wall, stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I shouldn't destroy it. But I found no one. What a sad commentary. Therefore I poured out my indignation upon them and consumed them with the fire of my wrath and recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. Well, I'm just saying that you and I can stand in the gap. We can make up the hedge. We can call on God, you know, to move supernaturally. Another story in Genesis chapter 18 with Abraham. When the two angels visited him and they were on their way down to check out Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, Abraham was fully aware that this place is about to go up in smoke. And he said, surely, you know, if there were 50 righteous there, you, you, you wouldn't destroy, you know, the righteous with the wicked, would you? Would not the judge of all the earth do that which is right? And he said, well, if I find 50 there, I won't destroy it. And then he, you know, uh, humbly just said, you know, I know that I'm just flesh, dirt, and dust, you know, but if he found 45, would you spare him? And he said, yeah. And he went all the way down to 10. He said, if I find 10 people in them cities, I'll spare it. Think about that. Just for 10 saints. Well, there's more than 10 saints right here. Are you with me? Don't think for a moment you don't have clout. Huh? Well, unfortunately, he didn't find 10. And so he destroyed the cities. So <clears throat> these are things that we see in the scriptures that make us to know, praise God, that, you know, our, uh, we, we have a place in all of this uh, if we'll take it. So, um, we need to know His will. We need to ask in faith. And really, both of them have their foundations built upon knowing the Word of God. So as much as you can, in the new, get in the New Testament and learn. You know, I was just reading today in the Gospels. I just walked with Jesus. You know, I, walked him, I watched Him go out into the wilderness. He spent 40 days out there, nights. You know, and then I, wa I watched Him come back. The Bible says that, you know... Uh, being full of the Holy Ghost, he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. Well, when that whole thing was all over with, being tempted of the devil, the, a Bible says that he came back in the power of the Holy Ghost. And he began to preach. And all of a sudden, God started moving supernaturally in people's lives. And the will of God, the gospel is being preached, and the will of God is being made known through this man named Jesus. And then I watched him, you know, go down and heal Peter's mother-in-law. You know, if you got something against your mother-in-law, you might not want to pray for her, you know. But if you don't pray for her, then you need to repent so you can get yourself straightened up. Okay, anyway, you know, but he prayed for her. She was immediately healed and got up and began to minister to them and help them and bless them. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about how that in the evening they brought 
It's kind of interesting because it seems to suggest that it was on the Sabbath that he was doing some things. How many of you know religious people don't like God to move any time? You know, they got all these restrictions. Well, you can do it on my term. No, we don't do it on your terms. We do it on his, you know. Well, when the even was come, see, in other words, according to the law, they couldn't do anything until six o'clock in the evening. And then after that, you know, then they were no longer, you know, it was no longer the Sabbath. And so in the eve, when the even was come, they brought unto him everybody and anyone and all kind of people sick and infirmed and whatever, and he ministered to them and healed them all. That's what the Bible says. You know, so, so you, you, you know, you get to see who God is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's he doing? Is he going around, you know, condemning people? Is he bawling people out, you know, because they didn't do right or whatever? No, he's loving people. He's trying to show them the heart of the Father so that they can come to know him, praise God, and know him in that same personal real way. And I'm sure we're out of time. Yep. After about so long, you kind of get used to the, you know, you kind of say, well, uh, I think it's over. You say, why do you do that? Well, you know, after 40 years, you know, hopefully you get a clue. You can talk about so long and then it's over. Now, if you want to stay here until 9 o'clock, then you can deal with all the nursery workers. Okay? But they, they, they won't like that. So all I'm saying to you folks, let's find out what the Bible has to say. Are you with me? And let's know what the will of the Lord is. I'll give you a great example. You got time for an example? Okay. Galatians 3 and 13. The Bible says that Christ has redeemed us. Not going to. If you're a child of God, you are redeemed. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for or because it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. Then it goes on to say, and this is the purpose, that the blessing, everybody say blessing, Blessing. the blessing of Abraham might come on. Hallelujah. Bring it on. Hallelujah. Come on the Gentiles. Thank God you don't have to be a Jew to get blessed. Now, if you're a Jew, you can still be blessed. But if you're a Gentile, you can get blessed too. The Bible says if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. Hallelujah. God made it possible for all of us that are sitting in this room tonight, us European folk or wherever you came from, to be blessed. So Christ has redeemed us. You know, we used to sing a song, a little chorus, I am, or... I've been redeemed. I took off on another one there for a minute. Uh, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. I'm telling you what, that's a good course. Amen. Why? Because it reminds you of what's happened to you. Are you with me? Same thing's true, you know, in Colossians chapter 1. I'm talking about knowing the will of God for your life. Now, I don't have time to go into it, but back there, you, you ought to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Because when it says that Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law, in Deuteronomy 28, it tells you exactly what the law is, or the curse is. I should say. First 14 verses talk about the blessing, and the next, I don't know, 50 talk about 
the curse. And essentially, you can sum it up in poverty, sickness, and death. And thank God He's redeemed us from them all. Glory be to God forevermore. Now, I didn't, I didn't say it. He did. And I didn't make the rules. He did. And He said that you're redeemed. So praise God, you know, if you've got a little challenge in an area of this, that, or the other, find out what it is that you've been redeemed from and say, Father, I just want to thank you that I've been redeemed from this. Glory to God. And start confessing it. Start saying it. Start declaring it. Start believing it. And your life will change. Now, one more verse, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has qualified us or made us, King James uses, uh, made us meet. Well, I, I got to look at this so that I don't misquote what it is that I'm saying here. To be partakers of the inheritance. Uh, let's see, hang on. Uh, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father, which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's qualified us to partake of his inheritance. Glory to God. And then it goes on to say, who has delivered us, not who's going to. Thank God he has. Everybody say, I've been delivered. delivered. Glory to God. Who has delivered us from the power, actually it's the word authority, of darkness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, again, in whom we have, everybody say, I have redemption. If you're a child of God, you're not going to get redeemed. You are redeemed. So that means his, his hold has been broken over you. Glory to God. So you're no longer under the dominion of Satan. You've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. So you start declaring it. And you start resisting the devil. Are you with me? Oh, God, take this away. He's saying, stand up on your feet, praise God, and resist. The temptation and it'll leave. That's what Jesus did. The devil came to him, you know, on three different occasions and maybe more than that. We have a record, you know. He said, well, if you're the son of God, what does that mean? Think about that for a moment. See, he comes into this earthborn existence and he goes down and gets baptized of John and Jordan, comes up out of the water, has a supernatural encounter with God. I mean, he hears his voice audibly. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That ought to give you some confidence, wouldn't you think? I mean, he heard him. Well, then he's led by the Spirit out into the wilderness, and he's starting to what? Doubt. If you're the son of God, then why don't you do this? Turn these stones into bread. Thank God he had enough sense to say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So he uses the word of God to combat the enemy when it comes to the temptations of this life. So if you're tempted to do something that's wrong, you can just say, no, I'm redeemed from that, praise God. That behavior is in my past. That's the old man. I put on the new man. Glory to God. Yeah, but your flesh, you know, it'll start, you know, yelling and screaming. You say, shut up. Huh? You, you, you make it obey. But you can't do that if you don't empower yourself with the will or the known will of God. Think of it this way. Uh, I'm trying to close. But you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. You're a spirit, the real you. You don't cease to exist when you die physically. You just relocate, okay? 
So you're a spirit. You, you have a soul made up of your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in this body. This is your tent, man. This is your right to be here. If it quits, you leave. Are you with me? All right. So, so here's the deal. What goes on here is, is that when you're born again and you receive Christ, the Bible says that the real you becomes a new creation. Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So you're recreated, and you now no longer have a sinful nature, but you now have the nature of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So you're born of God, but you got this body, and you got this brain, and neither one of them have been impacted, you know, by this supernatural transformational kind of thing has taken place in the real you. So a lot of times they'll gang up. Your mind and your body will gang up against your heart to try to get you to disobey God. So you've got to get your mind renewed to the Word of God so that your heart, the real you, your spirit, and your brain can tell your flesh what it's going to do, huh? Instead of the other way around. That's why people are defeated. You know, they let their flesh dominate them, and, and they, they say, well, I just can't do it. That's not true. I know it's hard. I know that there's things that have been developed, and your flesh has appetites and desires and, you know, addictions and things of that nature. But I'm telling you that that is not true, because the power of God is capable of driving that out of your being so that you can be set free. But the key to it is for you to begin to renew your mind, to the, and nobody else is going to do it for you. I mean, you know, I mean, if you think, well, you know, maybe God's just going to, you know, come and whomp, you know, and all of it's going to change. Sometimes he does the whomp. But a lot of times it's just you and him. And you say, Jesus, I'm going to be your follower. And I'm going to burn every bridge that goes to a place that destroys my life. Hallelujah. That's one of the big problems. People don't want to burn the bridges. Are you with me? Light the fire. Oh, yeah, but you know, no. Give the devil what? No place. If you can't cross the bridge anymore, there's no going back. Isn't that right? It's some of the most free and liberal. But the devil will do everything he can. Say, no, 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 no. No, don't. You don't, I don't think you want to do that. Don't give that up, you know, and, and leave an option. There are no options. If the option leaves... You're not tempted anymore, right? So it loses its hold over you. Gosh, I'm going into a lot of things here I never thought about, but it'll bless you. Praise God, it'll help you. And it works in all kinds of ways. You can have addictions. You can have, you know, all kinds of things. Um, uh, you can have anger. You can have jealousy and resentment. You know, well, you know, it's just me. It's my temperament. It's my personality. Well, let the Word of God change you. From the inside out. So you start thinking different. And you'll have to resist it. You know, when you want to get angry, you say, no, no, no. We're not doing that anymore. Even though it's strong. You, come, you know, sometimes things get... A, that's why the Bible talks about, and I don't have time to get into this, why you keep doing this to me. But, you know, the Bible says that even though we walk in the flesh, we're not warring after the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. It's referred to, you know, when Paul's writing, he's referring to it as a stronghold. And then he goes on to say, casting down 
imaginations or reasonings. I just can't do it. Yes, you can. The devil's a liar. Pants on fire, remember? I just can't do it. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You'll never make it. You're no good. You always fail. There you go again. They're making another mistake. All these kinds of things. What's that for? It's to keep you defeated. It's to enslave you, to keep you where you're at. And what you got to do is you just got to stand up, pull up your britches, praise God, put on your boots and say, baby, we're leaving. Are you with me? And if you'll do that, Jesus will set you free. Why don't you stand with me, please? I got to stop now for sure. It's 814. Of an insurrection from the church workers. Hallelujah. Father, we love you tonight. So grateful for your word. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done for us. Father, you've enabled us. You've empowered us. You've given us life. Thank you, Father, that you've redeemed our lives from destruction. Thank God we don't have to live under the dictates of this world. And we certainly, Father, don't have to allow our flesh to dominate us. And so we just thank you, Father, for your blessing in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's make this confession. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight that I am redeemed. I'm not going to be. I am redeemed from every damnable thing that hell would ever try to impose against me. Thank you, Lord. I am delivered from the authority of darkness because of Jesus' blood. Thank you, Lord, for life and cheer and blessing in my life. Thank you, Lord, because you have made me the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath, a world overcomer. Thank you, Lord. For your blessing in my life tonight. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that? Glory to God. Well then raise one hand up toward heaven and thank him for it. Hallelujah. Father we thank you tonight. For that which you provided for us. To give us victory. To give us life. And Father God to empower the church in these last days. As we pray this evening Father again we lift up our nation to you. We thank you Father for all those that are in authority. And we pray for them so that we might lead a a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Father, we know it's your will that none should perish, but that all should be saved. And so, Father, I thank you for helping the church to be about our business in these last days, to reach as many as we can before Jesus comes again. And we thank you, Father God, for the life that is in him. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.